Welcome to Mission in Action, the audio experience for Newground, a Muslim-Jewish partnership for change. We are a nonprofit with a vision of an American society where Muslims and Jews are empowered to create lasting partnerships and engage in authentic communication and mutual cooperation. On this podcast, you'll find a mix of our keynotes, workshops, interviews, speeches, and other audio from events led by our team. This week's episode is from Newground's 2014 Spotlight Storytelling event. Our speaker is Mari Ohani, and her story is entitled Wearing the Hijab in a Catholic School. We hope you enjoy. And shalom. The Hague, New Delhi, India, 1978. I was 15 back then a complete stranger in a huge crowd. I was standing on my own with my limited English to hi, bye, good morning, I love you, what's up man? (laughs) No. And my father and mother from a distance I was watching them, they were talking, laughing, enjoying their time. And I was a complete stranger It was Ramadan, and it was my first Ramadan in India. And the custom back then was every day, or every night actually, an ambassador will host a dinner and invite the Muslim community to join and eat iftar dinner with them. After we complete the prayer, and before they open the buffet, I heard people saying things that was kind of weird to me. They were staring at me from a distance, saying things that I was unable to understand, again with my limited English. But I was able to pick up a few words like, MashaAllah, Tabarakallah, Hijab. Oh, wow, Hijab. I know what Hijab means. And I felt like, do I need to reply to those people with my limited English? Was Was it good what they're saying? Was it bad? Did I do something wrong? I was afraid. I was concerned as my feeling right now. Between you and me, don't tell anybody. And then suddenly, I was able to see my dad approaching me with a smiley face. And he said, she's my daughter. I am her father. And that was the first time My dad felt proud of me because I was wearing my hijab. I was born in England, and I grew up in France. And then we moved back to the Middle East, Syria. My parents enrolled me in a Catholic school. It was the only private school that I can continue my education in French and Arabic at the same time. The summer before eighth grade, I decided to spend my summer reading more in the Quran. And I was able to memorize two chapters because they were very interesting chapter. The first one was chapter 19, titled, The Virgin Mary. Because my name is, guess what? Maria. So I was named after the Virgin Mary and I decided to memorize the entire chapter. But also I will want to connect it with my teacher, nuns. And I was able to memorize Chapter of the Light, where God talks about the importance of women being 
showing uh, conservative, showing modesty and wearing conservative outfit. And that's when I felt like I can cover up. I can wear the scarf. I can connect with the nuns in school. And I decided to go for it. But guess what? Everybody was against me. Teacher, principal, my friends, they kept telling me, are you OK? Did you lose your hair? Did you have a dream? Do you have cancer? Are you dying? I said, what are you talking about? No, I know my rights. I know my duties. I want to practice what God wants me to practice. I want to wear the scarf. And I had to defend myself by proving that this is my right. I can choose whatever I want to do in this life. And one of the choices that I made that day is to wear the scarf. But that was not OK. But the only thing that was bothering me is that my dad was not happy with my decision. But I kept moving forward until that Ramadan in India when it changed my life. When my dad said to me and said to the people, she's my daughter, I'm her father, I felt like today I'm strong. I have my dad on my side. That the time when my dad gave me my nickname. He gave my sister and my mom two nicknames. My sister got a very fancy nickname. She was the princess because she lived like a princess, the daughter of the ambassador in India. And my mom was the boss because she was the boss in the house and outside the house. She founded one of the largest nonprofit organization back home in Syria. And I got a very special title. He called me Sheikha. And Sheikha means, in Arabic, a female scholar. I was married to my husband in downtown Chicago, and then we moved to LA. When I moved to LA, I started my journey with Islamic theology. And I studied for 10 years. I did all the homework, all the assignment. It was the best time of my life. I learned a lot, and I was very happy. And I was at the top of my class. We took those classes at home and sometimes in the mosque, but they were only for women. But there was always one thing inside of me. It's like I like to ask questions. So I always used to come up with those questions that I felt like there's something fishy. I'm not okay with everything. And I challenged my teacher, even I challenged sometimes speakers in conferences. People used to say to me, who do you think you are? You're just a student. You're a woman. You're not a scholar. You can't challenge your teacher. You can't challenge your scholars. Stay quiet. I couldn't stay quiet because I remember one of the teachings of the Prophet, peace be upon him, said, and it made me always going, searching for answer, is that he said, if anyone lies on my behalf, fabricated things on my behalf, he will be punished in the hereafter. Then I became a teacher myself. I started teaching in different Islamic mosques. And in my class, students start asking questions. The same question that I used to ask. Question that brings the, me thinking that these references that we have today, 
many of them contradict with the teaching of the Quran. It doesn't make sense. It does not make sense to me. And as an educator, I'm responsible for every information I pass on to my student. And I kept going, searching, reading, listening, attending conferences here and there, finding answers. It is impossible for the prophet to say something that contradicts with his own message. Those references, most of them, put women down, marginalize their role. And I felt like this is not okay. My mission is bigger than to be a wife, a mother, take care of the house. I like to do that, but I have a bigger mission in life, and I need to pursue my mission. And I kept going. When I started volunteering more in mosque, I remember one day we had a meeting, and it was a really interesting meeting. One of the guys in the meeting said something, and then suddenly a friend of mine who I really respect, he said, stop, hold on one second. And then he opened his book, flipped through pages, and said, oh, well, Maria, actually he said Sister Maria, that's my other nickname in the community. He said, Sister Maria, three months ago, came with the same plan. I have everything here in a minute. And everybody didn't agree on her plan. And now you are saying that, and everybody is okay with it? I am not okay with that. So he took me aside and said, because you have a woman voice, that's why they can't hear you. I said, okay, I have a solution. My name is Maria, that was yesterday. Today my name is Mario. <laughs> no problem. But it didn't help. And I kept going. Until one day, I was very happy, very lucky, very grateful to God that I was able to hear an educator talking about the same concern, showing that we have references that contradict with the message of the Quran, the message of the Prophet. And I said, oh my God, he's addressing the same concern. He's addressing my, the same questions. He's in my mind. He's reading everything in my mind. And I froze. And I stopped. And I cried. And then I said, well, I'm not alone anymore. A lot of people like me are searching for the truth. A lot of people like me are trying to use a logical thinking that it's sometimes we have references that contradict with the message. And we need to stand for the truth. We need to speak up. We need to say that these references are not accurate references. When I continue my journey with my student, I always encourage them to have a critical thinking, and sometimes I agree with them when they disagree with me, which is okay, as long as we respect each other. But going back 10 years I spent learning about the Quran, learning about the Prophet, and I found during those 10 years some references that I was not okay with. So I decided to spend 
few years studying on my own. Those few years, few years were about 20 years. I spent 20 years, day and night, getting up every morning around 2.30 in the morning, studying the Quran, comparing the verses of the Quran with the references that we have. References that, again, they are putting women down, marginalizing their roles. And I felt like this is not okay. So after 20 years of research, I came up with a conclusion. I think I know what's going on. Number one, the Quran is not a book of faith anymore. I feel sometimes Muslims consider the Quran is a book of occasions. And what I mean by that is that when do Muslims read the Quran? During the month of Ramadan. Yeah, we race to read the Quran. That's good. But don't minimize it to the ones of Ramadan. They do. When also they read it, they read it when someone is dying or in the beginning of ceremony or when they have to go for a green car interview or citizenship. This is when they open the Quran. And that's not the message of the Quran. Second point that I found out, that for so long, men are scholars, educators, imams, leaders, and in charge of women. And what do women do? They stay home. Even if they are educated, their teaching is limited to women only. And the last one is that because I teach in this state, which we're calling the, uh, the state that the multi-pot state, we have Muslims from all over the world, I noticed that they bring their tradition, they bring their culture, and sometimes those traditions and cultures are merged in their practice and they think that what they're doing for so long, it's part of the teaching of the Quran. But in reality, it's only a tradition. After so long, I felt like it's time for me to make a difference in my community. I'm going to stand up, I'm going to speak, I'm going to go out, and I'm going to make a difference. A few years ago, I was invited to join a committee here in Southern California. And the committee is a dialogue between the Diocese of the United States and a Muslim scholar. Every year we meet in May, and we discuss issues and we talk about faith. So today, I am grateful to my dad, and I can say to my dad, thank you, Daddy, for calling me Sheikha. Thank you. Hi, I'm Aziza Hassan, the Executive Director of Newground, a Muslim-Jewish partnership for change. Thank you for sharing your time with us today and for listening to this episode of our podcast. At Newground, We believe that conflict is natural and inevitable, yet not intractable, no matter the history. Being stuck is a choice. That's why we build relationships between Muslims and Jews so that they can transform their communities through lasting partnerships. If you'd like to learn more about our mission or support this podcast and Newground's work, please visit mjnewground.org. That's M for Muslim, J for Jew, newground.org or click on the link in the show notes. Thank you.